It's just a phase. <laughs> if you're a parent or, or a grandparent or maybe even just an older brother or sister, maybe you've used that phrase before to reassure yourselves that a negative or annoying behavior won't last forever, like temper tantrums or, or arguing or eye-rolling or puberty, you know, maybe things you'd rather just skip over. But the truth is, if it's just a phase, we shouldn't want to miss it, right? In fact, if it's just a, a period of time, shouldn't we want to make sure that we savor it too? That we treasure the moments as well? As a whole, I wonder how good we are at the discipline of delight, of savoring or treasuring the good gifts that God gives us. If we're honest with ourselves, as a, as a culture, we're more distracted We're more consumed with productivity and the next best thing than ever before. And we forget to be present and to savor the gifts right in front of us. And therefore, the goodness of God right in front of us. And therefore, a life generosity. We're in the midst of a sermon series right now looking at what we do with what God gives us. What is our response to what we have received? We began two weeks ago by looking at the wonderful truth that God, at the same time, is both the generous giver and the generous gift. And when we start there, we become more trusting of God to take care of us and respond with generosity to God's generosity. Last week, Tim shared that sometimes we can become greedy with or misuse the gifts that God gives us because of the lie, the myth of scarcity. That's not being faithful. What is faithful is not to ignore or jump past or hurry through or take for granted what God has given us, but to savor, treasure God's good gifts, to delight In God's gifts is to be faithful. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture readings this morning come from the Psalms and from Luke's gospel. First from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I thank the Lord with all my heart in the company of those who do right in the congregation. The works of the Lord are magnificent. They are treasured by all who desire them. God's deeds are majestic and glorious. God's righteousness stands forever. God is famous for his wondrous works. The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. God gives food to those who honor him. God remembers his covenant forever. God proclaimed his powerful deeds to his people and gave them what had belonged to other nations. God's handiwork is honesty and justice. All God's rules are trustworthy. They're established always and forever. They are fulfilled with truth and right doing. God sent redemption for his people. God commanded that his covenant last forever. Holy and awesome is God's name. Fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. Sure knowledge is for all who keep God's laws. God's praise lasts forever. 
And then from Luke's gospel, really familiar passage. Uh, but I wonder how familiar this verse in particular, the last one. Luke 2, chapter 15 through 19. When the angels had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. When they had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed about the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This was the moment for Mary. I mean, this strange and amazing journey of finding out that she was going to give birth to a son and not just any son, but God's son has arrived. A baby that Mary wraps in cloth and, and places in a feeding trough. It's a gift, a wonderful gift to be a mother and a father, but this gift of a child would also be for the whole world. So this was a moment, a gift, a child not to be missed. And Luke includes this amazing little detail about Mary and how she responds to the gift of Jesus. Luke's gospel covers a lot of ground. It would be easy just to to skip over this and move to the next part. But no, this detail is in there. At a time when we can only imagine that Mary is wondering what comes next, at a time when she's no doubt worried about not just how to be a mother to a son, but to be the mother of God's son. And, oh yeah, by the way, how long they're going to have to stay in this stable. Mary chooses to be present in this moment with this gift. Mary chooses the discipline of delight. She's faithful with what God has given her by savoring and treasuring what God has given her in this moment. Luke tells us that Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. That's such a beautiful phrase, isn't it? What exactly did, did that look like for Mary? To be present in and savor the goodness of this moment. Did she... Did she hold her breath trying to freeze time? Did she smile? Did she close her eyes while tears of wonder and joy slowly down, ran down her cheeks and whisper, thank you? Did she smell Jesus' newborn baby smell? Did she soak in the coos and the cries? Did she stare into his eyes and think about seeing the face of Yahweh? Whatever she did, she didn't take it for granted or skip past. She delighted, she savored, she treasured the gift of the Messiah, the gift of her son, the gift of Jesus in front of her. She embodied, really, the words of the psalmist in Psalm 111, who writes, the works of the Lord are magnificent, they're treasured by all who desire them. Mary treasures this work of the Lord. Jesus is magnificent. I wonder when was the last time that you truly delighted in something? When was the last time that you treasured, you savored a blessing, a gift God gave you in a given present moment? When was the last time that you treasured something and pondered it in your heart? The last time that you delighted in a work of the Lord, like Psalm 111 says. 
I think about the difference between eating and savoring a meal. I confess, friends, when you have three boys under the age of seven, I can't remember the last time that I truly savored a meal. What about you? Actually, I can. Uh, it was on a trip that Lauren and I took a couple years ago to Waynesville, North Carolina. We ate at a restaurant there called The Chef's Table. And actually, we apparently ate at The Chef's Table in The Chef's Table. We made a reservation. We didn't know we were making a reservation for. But we got to sit at a table right in front of the kitchen where you could see uh, the owner and chef um, preparing everything. I mean, see it, smell it, hear it, everything. I ordered chicken, okay? Definitely not fancy. I ordered chicken, and I remember thinking when I got my plate and I took the first bite, wait, is this even the same thing that I make at home? <laughs> it was incredible, the texture, the taste. I truly savored and delighted in that meal. I wasn't just eating it, because every single bite was followed by that silent like, oh, this is so good. When you eat a meal, food goes in your mouth and you digest it and you get energy from it and you get nutrients from it, but you're really not drawn into it. When you savor a meal, you taste all of the nuances and the depths of flavor. You notice and appreciate different textures. You realize how good something smells. You, you hear how it sounds when you crunch or chew or swallow and you and you have this sense of deep inside of you of appreciation and gratitude for such good food that then like adds back to the experience, right? Making it even richer. If we're honest with ourselves, we often go through life eating instead of savoring God's good gifts. We chew, we swallow, we go along from one thing to the next. We're busy, we want the upgrade. We consume things for the benefits that we'll receive from them. We compare ourselves to others, all the while not noticing and truly savoring and treasuring the blessings right in front of us at any given moment. We're taking in all these amazing gifts from God like mindless consumers without actually delighting in them, savoring them. I remember going on a walk with my boys one time and, and realizing the difference between how they took a walk and how I took a walk. We're walking along and I saw a, a cardinal in a tree branch really close to the sidewalk. My oldest uh, son saw it too, and, but, but he's the one whose eyes got really big and smiled and pointed and said with great joy, Daddy, look, it's a cardinal. I was merely eating. He was savoring, delighting, treasuring. And sadly, what happens, friends, when we do not delight, when we do not treasure or savor the blessings or gifts God has given us, we compare, we crave, we complain, and we consume. And all four of those things are generosity killers. When I don't delight and treasure the gifts God has given me, I'm much more likely to compare myself, my abilities, my job, my situation, my stuff to other people. That means I'm much more likely to live in such a way that I perceive elevates me to equal or greater or better than them, which means I'm placing identity and self-worth in others. It means I'm, I'm less willing to share or be generous because I'm selfless, selfishly doing, doing things to earn value rather than selflessly 
doing things because I have value. I'm also more likely to crave things. If I don't savor the good I already have and nothing satisfies me, I'm always like desiring the next bigger, brighter, faster, fancier, more efficient thing that somehow will make me feel more whole. I start craving things which then become like lowercase g gods because of the way I modify my life to get them, which means, of course, that I have less margin for generosity. And then there's the complaining, right? When I don't savor the good gifts God has already given, I'm more likely to grumble that things are never good enough. I can't believe this person did that. Why does my life never go like it should? This pastor's sermons are always the same. This church is always asking people to do stuff. We never do what I want to do. This could have been so much better, etc. right? Everything is not good enough, which just drains the generosity right out of us. And finally, I consume. When I don't delight in the blessings I already have, I consume instead of give. I allow my attention, my gaze to be co-opted by the TV, by my phone, by social media, by, by messages, whose whole aim is to exploit my gaze for profit. Where I'm on this consuming treadmill instead of being generously present in the moment with what matters more and what matters most. Friends, we, we desperately need the discipline of Mary. We need the discipline of delight in order to be faithful with what God has given us. We need to treasure these things and ponder them in our hearts. The blessings right in front of us. I love how poet Mary Oliver puts it in one of her poems. If, if ever there was a patron saint of delight, it's her. She writes in one of her poems, when it's over, I want to say, all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. I was a bride married to amazement. To practice delight, to treasure, to savor what God gives us is to be a bride married to amazement. Mary was married to amazement when her son Jesus was born. The psalmist was married to amazement when writing, Praise the Lord, I thank the Lord with all my heart in the company of those who do right in the congregation. The works of the Lord are magnificent, treasured by all who desire them. God's deeds are majestic and glorious. God's righteousness stands forever. So the question is, how do we treasure and delight like Mary? What does it look like? How do we practice it? As I read that passage, treasuring and pondering, as I thought about my own desire personally to be better at delighting and savoring God's good gifts in my own life, I realized that delight, if you think about it, is really noticing plus thanksgiving. Noticing plus thanksgiving. Delight, to delight, we first have to notice We have to allow ourselves to get into our senses, to to see, to taste, to feel, to hear, to smell, to experience the gift and goodness, whatever it might be. Call it paying attention to what God has already given us. We don't know what these things were specifically that Mary treasured and pondered in her heart, but it must have been a great list of things and gifts noticed. 
the psalmist is actually pretty specific about the works of the Lord that, that he has noticed in Psalm 111. God gives food to those who honor him. God remembers God's covenant. God is honest and just. God's rules are trustworthy. God sent redemption. Douglas Burton Christie, a theology professor at Loyola in Los Angeles, talks about shifting from asking his daughter how her day went to, what did you notice today? He says as as she began to open up and answer that question more and more, he found that he also began to notice things more and more in his own life. What did you notice today? The discipline of delight really begins with noticing, but delighting, savoring God's good gifts doesn't stop with noticing them. Delight continues with thankfulness. In fact, what if delight is simply gratitude that wants to come out? What if delight is simply gratitude that wants to come out? I don't know about you, but I I don't think I've ever truly delighted in something that I did not also feel grateful for internally. I don't think I've ever delighted in something and not also have felt grateful internally. There's something deeper and more divine about delighting in something than simply noticing it. There's a kind of interaction that takes place where the accompanying joy and and thankfulness that we feel is like this catalyst that makes the experience even better that draws the gift and the blessing and the person who receives it closer. For example, it's not just the the noticing the sweet interaction between my kids, brotherly love kind of thing. It's the bubbling up inside of me that wants to say, thank you, God, this is beautiful. I'm so grateful for this moment right here, right now. And it's like that whole experience, that gift comes closer. Delight moves us into inhabiting our own gratitude moving into it like a house, like going room to room and finding God there. Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her her heart. She must have been going from room to room in her thankfulness, finding God at every turn, lingering, not just moving on. Delight begins with noticing but culminates with thanksgiving, thereby moving us closer to God. Now, I know what you're thinking. And let's be clear, delight does not keep out difficulty. This is not about living in some kind of positive denial. There will be days when it's hard to see anything but gray. We will feel weakened in our capacities, our spirits, our faith. But the discipline of delight, even in the midst of life's twists and turns and pain, might just prove to be the spiritual crutches that we need until we can walk under our own power again. Delight could be the spiritual stent that keeps generosity flowing even when it feels hard to be generous. Friends, our world, our our lives are saturated with grace, with gifts, overflowing with blessings from God. Let's not miss any of it. Faithfulness with what God has given us has a lot to do with delighting, savoring, treasuring them so that our hearts and lives become more generous. Let's be married to amazement. Let's be disciplined and delighting. Let's treasure and ponder God's good gifts more and more in our hearts and see what happens. It's just a blessing, so don't miss it.
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.